Hi, Romaine. So is this rightly pronounced your first name? Romaine Grigor, right? Uh, yeah, if you were American, that would be the right way of saying it. Okay. Uh, my, so my, if you would say my uh, name in French would be like Romain. Romain. And the last name? Yes. Grecourt. Grecourt. Romain. Grecourt. Yeah, it's, it's such a hard name to pronounce for no, people that Romain, are not French. No, Romain Grecourt. So now I'm a French, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're officially French now. Yeah, perfect. Because uh, uh, my last name is Bien, you, you know, it's like... Um, mm -hmm. I was once, uh, once several times in, in France, and and once if they find out that I my last name is Bia, it was I was in the uh, gate at the airport. I forgot where it was. It was what it wasn't uh, Paris. It was some, uh, um, somewhere else. So they 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 let me first. So they say okay, then then you are the first. You know your last name is beautiful Bia, so you can go. So this was a nice experience. In <laughs> o only happened once. Only happened once. You know. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So now to um, more serious stuff. What is your first computer? What was my first computer? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So uh, my dad got me an Apple II wow. when I was like uh, eight years old. So he yeah he worked at a bank and they were recycling their computers and there was like a, there was not many computers that they were donating but they basically organized like a lottery so that they could pick you know which employees they would give the Apple IIs to and then they would pay like a symbolic. Uh, some like i don't know like 100 francs at the time or something yeah and so uh so just bought an apple II and then you just gave it to me for my birthday back then when i was eight so nice so if you if you still have the apple II, you could probably sell it right now and you could retire from the money right <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure that's worth much money but i, I think uh, so we had two and i think one still works yeah oh. we were able to like uh scrap the pieces of one onto the other and then yeah i checked like maybe a couple of years back and it still works but i, I think it it has to be you know it has to be expensive. Yeah, we have to double check that after the show. So, um, yeah, okay. So, yeah. what you did with the computer? Okay, with eight, I guess you played games, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, it was on one of these uh, monochrome uh, screen with the with the yellow cursors mm -hmm. and the big uh, the big uh, floppy disks. You know, that were flexible, like uh, the mm -hmm. five, five. I don't know what that is. Five like. and quarter, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so uh, I had a couple of games on that on that computer, and and my dad just taught me how to launch them using the command line. Oh, so you, rem you remember the command? Yeah. Well, I don't remember the exact command, but I, I remember I was typing a command line to launch the games. So yeah, I remember my command. It was in ZX Spectrum, which was load. And I think, <laughs> okay. yeah, and uh, I don't think it was the name of the file because it was tape. I think I had to, either I had to, to, to say just load or I had to know, this is what I was thinking about, you know, the name of the game or whatever program it was. And uh, yeah, there was load and something like seek on something, but seek would be incredible because it you will load the entire tape, which I think one side was 45 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> it was uh, not the best option. Okay, so um, regardless, so you, you cannot remember the command, but it's not as bad, right? <laughs> so um, yeah. yeah. I which games were were they? You remember a game at least? Yeah, I do remember a game that was like a Formula One type of game where you oh. were playing um, like, yeah, some kind of racing game. Mm-hmm. I remember the music uh, in the 8-bit uh, speaker was amazing. Yeah, uh, back then it was amazing, actually. So the music was really nice and the games were also nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. okay, when you started, you know, to find when you wanted to find a little bit more about the, the command line or programming or DOS, were the moment in time or you were forced, you know, last week to hack something with Java? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You mean when did I start getting into more like computers? Per se? Or computers, yeah. or at least you know 
uh, get interest not in gaming, rather doing something else with the computer. That's also you no know, interesting transition. I see. So um, when I was in middle school, I had um, so in France we have this class which is called like technological something. Okay. Which back then it was more like using scissors and and glue and doing stuff like that. Okay. Like and but and, and this class was called technology and you and you had to use glue. Yeah, and in scissors. the old times, right? And there was an old teacher that didn't want to use the computer, so they were just like taking the dust. And then okay. I just had the chance of getting one of the new uh, teachers that was trying to use these computers. And okay. He 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 tried <laughs> without much success to teach the class HTML. Wow. And so. Uh, at that time, I had another computer. It was a Pentium 90 running like Windows 95. Okay. But we didn't have internet or anything. We didn't even have like a local uh, network at home. So I just had my computer on Windows, not knowing what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And when that guy taught HTML to the class, I was basically the only one kind of like to listen. And I was like, oh, that's nice. So I started making basically uh, like offline uh one, web 1.0 style, you know, pages with like blinking uh, animated GIFs and yeah. that kind of stuff. You know, the blink tag is the most important one and the marquee tag still works. You know, marquee tag? Marquee tag? Yes. You don't know it? HTML marquee mm -hmm. tag? It's one of the most tag. important, you know, HTML elements ever. You I don't, don't think know I it? I used that. Yeah, no. Um, come on. This was blink is blinking. This was okay. And marquee was like a ticker, you know, so you, you, you could make the font move across the screen and it still works. Actually, I think two weeks ago, I was just curious whether it works and it works in Chrome. And if you search, if you Google for marquee tag, you will find that the result on Google, they also know move around. So, which is incredible. It's an Easter egg. Oh yeah, I just see it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't think I ever used that back then. I was I was uh I was really young, so I was just playing, you know, I remember making like a some kind of page and I put I was putting like the Simpsons on there and Oh I thought and... you like yeah, Facebook is how Facebook started, you know. <laughs> no, no, come on. <laughs> how, how 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 young were you back then? I think I was like eleven. Oh, okay. 11 or 12, something like this. Yes, yeah, still incredible. I was, because, um, because I, I mean, back then, if you did something wrong with HTML, there was uh, nothing display on screen, right? So it was not, it's not the easiest way to do something with the computer, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. um, I also remember that uh, because I picked up on HTML, basically, I started really being close to the teacher and uh, I started giving me tasks in the... Um, in the work he was doing for the for the middle school, so I started working on the website for the middle school and doing a bunch oh. of things. So I really picked up uh, on that. I did also some JavaScript at the time. Wow! But with eleven, I didn't really know what I was doing because okay. I was just you know searching for how to do certain things and just copying the entire things. And then, yeah, I I really didn't know what I was doing with JavaScript. So I so I probably you know on mouse over and on mouse out right were the most important. Uh... So back then, I don't even think I was knowing these things. I was just basically like spending hours and pounding on the stuff until it worked. Okay. So I didn't. I had really zero knowledge of of programming at the time. But but you were uh, one I was of the more chief. Into a, like, well, you were one of the chief hackers of your school, right? What I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I was more like the nerd of the school. You would say, I think. Yeah. Uh, back then, like computers, people were not interested into that. Like PlayStation was more of a thing, you know, rather than Windows, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I think it was around like maybe ninety-eight. Okay. You know, so, so I think back so then I... people of my age were not interested in computers at all. Yeah. This is what I found later. So it seemed like back then I was the one of the view crazy guys who was interested in computers. 
And then, you know, uh, uh, a few years later, because a huge thing, but at, at that time, no one was interested that much in computers. I actually don't know why, because for me, it was obvious that it was the greatest things ever. But uh, all the others say, okay, it's boring and there's no future. It's okay, it's crazy, no future. I mean, um, yeah. So we have a little bit future right now, but you know, back then it was like uh, hopeless for the others, and for me it was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, you start. You you did this with Netscape, Netscape Composer, and Netscape. Yes, yes, definitely. Because at the time it was um, the old like uh, modern style, you know, uh, internet connection. So what we had, if you remember, like you were buying uh, CDs from a shop or something, and then you had like a three i don't know two hours of connection you know with a modem yes on some kind of provider yeah. and back then all these uh providers they were kind of shipping their own version of netscape right mm -hmm. where the, the dial-up was kind of baked in the the, the, the browser mm -hmm. so i remember we were kind of jumping off from these like discounted um offers from various providers uh in france so we had like uh, you, like the names are probably not going to ring a bell but we we jumped like for a very like with but probably like a couple of providers for a while. Mm -hmm. And I was using Netscape at the time. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I Very also nice. think that on Windows 95, I think I had uh, the first version of Internet Explorer on it at some point. Yes. What, um, what I remember, it was around 2000. So I got requests from some companies, you know, to create a company-branded brand, branded, uh, browser for them. And uh, back then, this is how IceFaces start started, actually. They started with Ice Browser. There was a browser written in Java. And you can buy the browser and provide some logos of the company, some look and feel, and it looked like, you know, the company's browser. And then the browser was not commercially successful, and they just picked the, uh, no, picked the technology of the browser and, and created Java Server Faces because Java Server Faces should be also capable of, you know, parse efficiently HTML. This was the short story of Ice Faces, Ice Browser and Ice Faces. I see. Yeah. But this was like, I just remember the Ice Ice Browser for unknown reasons. Um, back to you. So you did some, you, you had some, you know, success in the in the school by... Uh, yeah. Without so... Marquee Tech, just with Blink Tech, right? So which <laughs> yeah, which without... was yeah, already I was more remarkable. into like making animated GIFs. I remember like there was some kind of exercise where we had to explain how the automation of a coffee machine was working. Mm -hmm. And I remember doing like an animated GIF for that. So I was really more into animation rather than HTML itself. Yeah, Giphy was HTML sold for because... millions or billions right now, right? There's a Giphy company, you know Giphy? There's uh, uh, like yeah, a startup of you, I, I don't know, they were sold to another company for millions and this was a lost opportunity, you know? This is how you start, you could sell, you know, with 14, your GIF engine and you could retire again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you did the animated GIF for coffee machine automation, right? Yes, yes. Yes, I, I remember like I found some kind of software where you could just uh, feed uh, multiple images and then you would just compile them into an animated GIF. So I was making the the different plans using Paint mm -hmm. and then I was just compiling them into a GIF using some software. Yeah. I, Same I here. I was uh, very fascinated by animated GIFs. I had no idea how they are working. And, and then uh yeah there, you had to use specific software to, exactly back then there were several mm -hmm. options for that and so uh that got me into flash basically and that's really how i started kind of programming okay because I, I i used to love the the flash websites back then because they mm -hmm. really were something else yes and so and there was a lot of games written in flash and i, I was really fascinated by the um, 
by the animation that Flash was offering compared to like the, the blinking stuff that we were doing with the, the JavaScript and the regular stuff. So I, I asked my mom to buy me a book for uh, Flash. Mm -hmm. and, was it Macromedia uh, Flash or Adobe Flash? Yes, yes, yes. Macromedia, yes, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah, it was version 4, I think, something mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. What and I, I remember, remember was just... the Flash. Oh. It looked beautiful. The books were beautiful. Flash was beautiful. It looked somehow technical with no nice colors, nice styling. So it was like, this was the opposite from the black and white HTML stuff usually around, right? I do remember at the time, you could not even make a table where the line was just a pixel. It was always like with a bevel. Yeah. I'm not sure if you remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had to make like two tables and use like cell padding one so that the, the tables on the back had some kind of background and then tables in the front was like uh, opaque. And then you yeah. would basically be able to show a single line. By then it was that hard to make something like look good. Um, so flash was really like a big thing, I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I was fascinated by flash and I got Flash, I mean, got, I got the software, but I completely was not able to understand what's going on inside Flash. So for me, it was like uh, the, the keyframes and all the lines. I said, okay, what they want, wanted for me, you know, this was for me, it was a completely different I world see. to JavaScript or Java or C or whatever. Yeah. Well, for me, it's like at that time, I was probably like 13 or 14. And uh, it's like you take a kid that's used to playing Lego and instead you give him Flash and a book and it's just going to, you know, it's just going to pick it up after a while. So for me, that's what happened. Uh, what yeah. what you created with Flash back then? Um, so I was playing hockey and I was trying hard to make a website for my hockey club. So nice. I did a couple of animation with like a puck moving and uh, the mascot of our club. Um, it was a little bit lame, so it was not very usable. So I, I, and back then, like a website was not that important. It was just like a side note, like, oh, somebody has a website. But the website, you know, is static and it's never updated because at least there was no backend, right? Mm -hmm. Back then, there was this kind of, um, there was a lot of offering for static content websites. Mm -hmm. So I was just hosting it on one of these things. And it was full of iframes and pop ups, obviously. So it was not really nice. Anima no, no more animated GIFs, just flesh. And by the way, what I, what I think what you did is no progress bar here is loading in skip intro, right? This was the the thing back then. Yeah. Well, except that my uh, my animation wasn't as long, so I didn't really need to do that. But yeah. I, I, but back I then, did it everyone, just because everybody was, yes. You wanted to do this regardless whether it was long or yes, not. You yes. know, the progress bar page is loading and then you can skip the intro. There was an intro and then you got the content. This was very fashionable back then. Yes, yes. And, and so, um, what else you did with Flash? I'm interesting. So yeah, just, mm -hmm. so at the end of middle school in France, you have some kind of exam, and you also should have some kind of internship. It's mm -hmm. not. I don't think it's mandatory, but everybody does it. So I did an internship through my teacher because he was friends with like a local uh, computer shop. Was the same teacher and you? Uh, he, uh, he he gave yeah. you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he got me in touch with his friends at the at the computer shop and I got an internship there and I basically kind of redid their website in Flash. Mm -hmm. I I think the web the website looked good as I remember it, but it was not fully functional for them. So I don't really think they put it online for too long. I think it was probably online for a year. But uh nevertheless, like on for like during four weeks or something, I kind of redid their their entire website. Mm -hmm. That was nice. And I got paid because at the end they gave me like um uh, computer parts for me to build my computer. So I had like a, a nice graphic card and oh. a discount on like the hard drive and, and a few things. So that was really nice. Yeah, this is incredible. So for a young guy, you know, if you get you know, all this stuff, so this is a huge And huge back success. then that was really expensive. So I was yeah. really happy. Mm -hmm. 
obviously I didn't have the money to kind of finish the computer. So I had to ask my dad to like help me for the finances. But uh, yeah, so I was able to get like a nice computer back then. I think it was like a GeForce uh, Titanium. Okay. And uh, it was, what was it? It was a AMD K6 500 megahertz or something. Huh. It was probably like... This K6 is, was also my machine, but uh, it was 266 or so, this K3 or K6. So oh, AMD's, you had the previous generation, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, 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 I had a lot of AMDs back then. Uh, they were a little bit They were cheaper. Hot, but they, were, they, they went hot and uh, they consumed lo more yeah. power. And uh, there came the Intel Duo or whatever. And um, now I'm running Xeons, the low power on my servers. But I'm picking mm. back, going back to AMDs right now because uh, they're nicer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're nice and cheap and powerful. Hey, uh, and so, what you did with the so you 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 assembled the machine from the parts? Were you able to? Yeah, yeah. Do it. Yes. And yes, what? Yes. So my, did my it work from the that. beginning, or were there some yeah. problems? Okay. No, so. no, 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 no. We were able, and back then it was funny because you had to. Uh, put a couple of switches on the motherboards uh, just mm -hmm. to set up the board to say, okay, this, this type of uh, processor, you were adjusting like the, the frequencies and the voltages, you know, mm -hmm. on the board itself using some pins. Mm -hmm. So you had to really read the book from the motherboard to kind of set it up. Um, so it wasn't easy. I think we took like almost a day to assemble a computer, if I remember. Okay. Yeah. Do but, it, but it worked. I, I didn't have much problem with it, except that I, I think I overclocked it a little bit. And so sometimes the computer would reset. Okay. So you overclocked it on, on, on purpose or it wasn't? Yeah, just because I wanted yeah, okay, to tweet faster. <laughs> yeah. So um, right now, I also recently, I would say one year ago, also uh, I, I'm rebuilding my, my servers every two to three years. And still you have to read the manual because, you know, different options. And if something goes wrong, you have to know. That then the motherboard beeps and you have to find out what the beeps actually meaning, what what went wrong, and uh, still still fun. N not that different to back then, I would say. Well, except that you don't really have to put so many switches on the board when you plug the CPU and all these other PCs, right? This is true, but uh, you have to do you know the the work before. So what I usually do, right. I, I pick you know the CPU and I see which motherboards are supported. If you have the motherboard which you know RAM is supported, and and then right. usually it works right. Yeah, I agree. That's the hard part. Yeah. Um, but then if you have the right parts, which not you, sometimes you don't get them, but if you have them, it usually can work smoothly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Recently, um, actually, I, 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 I revamped an old server. And uh, what's, what's happened was the, you know, the, how to call it, the cooling glue between the CPU and the cooling fan uh, was old and didn't work properly. And what happened is the, the, uh, the computer became incredibly slow and I had, I had no idea why. And this was actually the reason. That was amazing that it works that well. So, um, and then I just replaced, you know, the, this is called like, uh, I don't know what the proper name is. It looks like grease, you know, and this is the... Oh, the thermal paste? Yeah, the thermal paste, exactly. The thermal paste okay. was old, and, and now I replaced the thermal paste, and, and now it works perfectly. So this was interesting because I suspected something else, and this was actually the issue. So, right, so yeah. Yeah. It could have been way worse than uh, just the computer getting slower. Yeah, this like is what I know. Sometimes it could even break the PCs, yeah. So. But I don't think so, because there are thermal protection, right? In the Usually in the CPU, they will just, you know, uh, scale down or scale down, become automatically slower, right? If they are too hot. I think all CPUs right now. Yeah, you might be right, yeah. Okay, nice. So this was your uh, excursion, you know, to hardware. So how to how to build proper hardware with thirteen or <laughs> and then twenty years later, right? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. What you did with the machine? You have a beefy GPU card. I think uh, you can just write HTML faster than with the machine, right? Or what you did with it? 
Yeah, so uh, back then, since I was a teenager, I was really into video games. Obviously, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. And uh, at the time, I was I was into computers, but not that much into computers. Mm -hmm. And so uh, around that time, like Half Life was released, mm -hmm. and um, there was a huge um, kind of wave of goodness with all the um, the local kind of uh, how do you call that. Um, Computer clubs, like, you know, these shops where you go and you can play video games with friends. I forgot how that was called, like uh, a network yes. cafes, basically. Yes. And uh, there was a lot of them popping up in the city and then you could compete with other people on the game. And since I'm, I'm a really big competitor, then I, I started playing the game a lot because I wanted to be the best, right? So, so this is, this is really where me... they were called LAN parties in Germany because yes, you had exactly. to bring, you know, the computer and there, there was, they were wired. So they created their own, you know, network with own switches and you could play against each other. This is what you mean, right? Right, yeah. And back then there was no DSL connection for anybody. So, exactly. Um, so I remember like these things were expensive back then. It was like 10 francs for an hour. And so I, since I didn't want to ask a lot of money to my parents, I wasn't playing much, but I had, the, I had a computer at home that I could play the game with. So I started playing, you know, with bots uh, in the computer just to uh, oh. kind of train before I would go there with, with my friends. Okay, and, and how, how, how good you became back then? Now it's called eSports, right? It's like sports without yeah. moving, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's a long story, but I, I really went deep and far in the game. So we went, uh, I played that game for a long time. And then we, I found a local team that we were competing with all the way up to the national level. Wow. Uh, and up until high school. So we, I, mean, I got really good at the game. That's, uh, that's the bottom line. What, what was um, it, chess? <laughs> No, Counter-Strike. Counter-Strike, okay. It's a nice, yeah. peaceful game, right? This is like about, <laughs> <laughs> about you know, uh, social behavior and soft skills, right? This is this is what I would have thinking yeah. about. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But there is a nice story to it, though. It's um, So my I have an older brother that wasn't really that much into computer, but since my dad was worried that there would be, like, jealousy that I had a computer in my bedroom and the brother didn't have one, then he wanted the two brothers to kind of be on par. So he bought him a, a computer that he found like on discount mm -hmm. and so back then my dad had his own computer but he was the only one to have like a modem plugged to the computer so he was like if you if you wanted internet you had to go on his computer mm -hmm. and there was no kind of switches available in the um, mm -hmm. in the market so you, what we had at home was like a hub and we my dad wired like uh, holes through all the, the ceilings and we had like a LAN network right okay Mm -hmm. with all the computers yes. so i could invite my friends over and could play some kind of games offline but we didn't have internet like shared among the computers okay so uh since i really wanted to play the game online against real people what i did is i stole the um, the modem card from my brother's computer okay and i plugged it into my own computer and then I I wired a, a phone cable from my dad's office into my own computer, and I was connecting on the internet without anybody knowing. Wow. And your dad is not and listening so, right now, right? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. He knows about this. Okay. So the, the, what was funny is like back then I was a phone provider that's called Free in mm -hmm. France, which is uh, it's one of the top ones. And what, what they had special was that you didn't have to pay a plan to get like a fixed number of hours. What you had was you were paying the national rate for mm -hmm. a regular phone call mm -hmm. and you could get on the internet as long as you like. Mm -hmm. So that was great. So basically I was on internet like most of the time. Okay. <laughs> the problem is nobody could phone home because yeah. I was always on the phone, right? 
And yeah. so my dad found that when uh, my my grandpa was trying to call us and he would never be able to reach us. <laughs> okay. So someday when he was able to get my dad on the phone, said, what's going on at your place? Like, it's always busy. <laughs> and so that's when my dad kind of ticked off and he asked the phone company for like the listing of the phone calls, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and that's how we figured out that I basically, and then he looked at my computer, it was like, oh, naughty boy. So <laughs> that's how I got caught. But how, uh, how yeah, so that's a nice story. How was the conversation between your dad and you after, you know, the findings? Was it a nice one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad was rather amused and impressed. Ah, okay. Than, uh, okay, yeah. great. And, and yeah. you brought... My, bro mom, my, my mom was not so much impressed though, but my dad was impressed, yeah. Very good. <laughs> and um, and your brother is stronger than you back then? Were... Yeah, yeah, he's four years older. Yeah. Oh, this was actually dangerous, dangerous, you know, tactics what you did, stealing cards from his computer, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, so so he was not that interested in computers, what I found out, because usually we'll find out, right? And so what's interesting also about this is that um, back then when you wanted to compete with other people on Counter-Strike and other games like Quake, and you, if you were a team and you needed to find like opponents, there was a need for like being on some kind of network and ask for people who wants to play with us, right? Mm -hmm. And so back then, uh, people were using IRC mm -hmm. on a server called QuakeNet. Okay. And so I didn't know anything about IRC, but I just remember that once I was asking somebody in the game, uh, you know, where can I find people to play against? And he told me IRC on QuakeNet. And I just basically searched hard on that on the old Google or whatever, and mm -hmm. I, I found like the MIRC software and I managed to connect on the, on the, on the server. One problem is that uh, QuakeNet, the way it works is the first one to join a channel is admin, mm -hmm. right? And then you can make other people admin. But if the channel has nobody on it, then the next first person that joins the channel becomes admin. Okay. Which means that when you turn off your computer, the next day you don't know if that channel is going to be yours. Okay. So they have a mechanism where if you have four people for like five hours, a special bot from the server is going to come into the channel. Mm -hmm. And then you can authenticate yourself against this bot so that whenever you come back, it's going to make you admin. Okay. That was the way, basically, how you established like, your own channel back then. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, working really hard to understand how this stuff was working because I mean, there was no documentation or nobody helping me. And I did set up like, IRC on like five computers at home. I mean, we had a lot of computers. And I was able to kind of uh, get the bot to come. And then I taught all my team like how to use MIRC and how to basically connect to the channel, how to get your ident identity. And, and then we got going from there because we were able to kind of be a team on the IRC server and kind of look for, uh, for games. Mm -hmm. So that's what really basically got me into like uh, more tinkering with my, with my computers because I really, I remember I, I, I probably spent the whole week doing that. And, and that was really funny. And that's really what got me more into the kind of the tinkering side of computers. Because uh, on, on IRC and MIRC, there's a lot of scripting also that yeah. you can do and a lot mm -hmm. of kind of commands. So that's, uh, that's basically how I really got started with, I, I would say, with programming. And this already um, looks almost like terminal, right? So if you look at the IRC yeah. channel, this is very low level, actually. Yes, yes. And um, how... I mean, you you won something with the Counter Strike, or I mean, what uh, yeah, we won a couple of uh, tournaments. Um, so back mm -hmm. then, it was um, I think the year we were really good. Uh, the league was sponsored by Intel, and okay. um, we we were trying really hard to get enough points to go to the national uh, like the finals, mm -hmm. final championship. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we won probably like four local tournaments. Each tournament had probably like 300 or 400 players. So they were like kind of big tournaments. Oh, okay. And we made sure to select the ones where um, like 
big bigger names were not coming so that we had higher chances of winning the tournaments because obviously okay. we're not the best right okay and we knew that if the top three teams were at the tournament we had no chances of kind of getting on the podium and getting the the points we needed to get onto like the top 16 because only the top 16 were getting over there mm -hmm. um it's too bad i think i just uh, recently disconnected my membership for the website that i had for the team so it's not online anymore Oh, no, it's not. And uh, you could win something reasonable, like hardware from Intel or computer or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the main, the, the, the highest prize we got back then was, I think, some kind of, we had an Intel uh, CPU each and uh, some kind of uh, check. I think it was like probably 200 euros each, one okay. CPU and then one game or something. Nice. So, yeah, if you were selling like all the stuff on the on the spot to other people, you could make probably like 400 euros per person. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, something. How old were you? 15, 16? Uh, I was in high school, so I was probably like 17 or 18. Okay. So, st st still, still nice. I mean, um, what I tried uh, once, uh, I think it was Quake. I tried to play over internet, but my internet connection was too slow. And what I remember is that everyone moved a lot faster than, than I was moving. I had absolutely no chance. Yeah. So somehow the I don't know back then this is what I remember right now. You, you told me about the so I tried you no know, I, I had a really bad connection like uh, it was an analog connection you know not even DSL and the others probably had played in LAN, LAN or whatever. But but mm -hmm. what I saw is they moved incredibly fast for me and I couldn't I was immediately killed. So I don't know which which game it was but this was uh, what I what I tried and for me it was very expensive to go online back then because uh, I had different yeah. contract no it it was you had to pay by minute or something it was it was mm. strange yeah and plus quake is probably the most technical uh, first person shooter game you could think of yeah but this um, is uh, I was just everyone you know talk about uh, half life i never saw half life and they you know everyone said okay quake is nice so i wanted to try it out and, and it, yeah. it, it looked nice it was uh, really interesting but um, yeah so now but it's really fast so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, w what you did then? So you started to script, write scripts for IRC chat. Or what, what's your yes, what, yes, yeah, okay, yes. So I did a lot of um scripting for IRC, like just to set up the the channel and make sure because as we were getting popularity, our channel grew up with a lot of people, and so we had to oh, kind wow. of. Uh, uh, kind of uh, moderate the crowd. I think at, at the peak attendance, there was probably like 500 or 600 people. And yeah. And, and why they joined your, your, your channel? Were it just like fanboys or what? what yeah, they... because I mean, at some point you get some kind of notoriety. So people that know you or that you played against, they just join just to get the latest news about ah. uh, where you're at, like who you're playing against, like things like this, right? Uh, and you use the IRC channel for what? To communicate with the others during the, the game or, or what, why you Yeah, it was ba basically the whole kind of community was based on f off of IRC. So you okay. were doing everything on IRC, like talking to your friends, uh, like uh, the gossip, you were also doing it on IRC or searching for matches you were doing it on irc like that's that's it like there was no forum or or nothing everybody okay. was just um on irc just because that's where you had to be you know on to it's like the underground of gaming back then was all happening in irc so okay. you had to be there okay so okay so it's like it's like the same thing as twitter when you follow somebody on twitter you follow that person to kind of see what they're saying okay so back then you would go on a channel just to see what they are saying or what they're doing okay and um okay i get get that for management stuff, you've wrote scripts which run on your machine and you could, I don't know, kick out users or whatever, right? So you automated everything. Right, exactly. I also, uh, I was writing bouncers back then. So bouncers were something you used to kind of connect a special bot while you were offline. Mm -hmm. This way uh, you could, um, the bouncer was harvesting, like it was recording the logs and um, the 
private messages. And then when you were, uh, when you were connecting back, it would give that back all to you. So then okay. it's as if you were always connected. It sounds almost um, like metrics. Do you, you know uh, what you're explaining right now is almost like a metrics move, you know, these days. So for me, yeah. Yeah, kind of. Uh, and what, which uh, language were the scripts? So it was like shell script or what was it? No, it was a special MIRC thing. Okay. Like, um, yeah, that was, that was, no, that was not. But they were already if else for statements or loops or something like this? Already? Yes, yes, something like that. Yes. Okay, nice. Um, so what's also interesting is my first uh, use of Linux was uh, we had an old computer in the guest room at home that I think it was an older computer of mine and I didn't know what to do with it. And someday I remember like my dad bought some kind of computer magazine and Mandriva, there was a, a, a CD-ROM for Mandriva on it. And I thought, oh, hell, um, why not just... And I knew that the, the Half-Life and Counter-Strike servers were running best on Linux. Mm -hmm. So I thought, hey, maybe I could turn like this old computer into like a dedicated Counter-Strike ser server sitting upstairs at home, right? Mm -hmm. So I spent probably like a week trying to follow the tutorial for Mandriva. And so I installed it. And then I was trying to install um, Counter-Strike and the Half-Life dedicated server on it. And so I did not know what I was doing because I, I, back then I was more of a Windows user mm -hmm. and the command line and the Linux stuff, I, I had no idea how it worked. Mm -hmm. But I remember struggling with, there was a, a targz command on the tutorial I was following. And for some reason, the syntax was not the same in the Linux that I had. Mm -hmm. And it took me two days to figure out the options that I had to put right. Well, nevertheless, I managed to install the, um, the, the dedicated server at home and and there were a couple of people connecting to it, but what was fun is like our connection obviously didn't have a uh, bandwidth big enough to host like a gaming server back then. Mm -hmm. So I remember my brother was playing on the server when there were people. And as soon as there was more like than five or 10 people, the CPU would go crazy. And then everybody had like 800 milliseconds of ping because the computer could not keep up with the, with the players. Yeah, probably I was on your server back then with my, no. Yeah. <laughs> Connected accidentally with your server. Okay. And, and why you had so many computers? Your dad was programmer? No, I just a uh, computer enthusiast, I guess. Ah, nice. <laughs> this is actually nice. So you got to know all the hardware, not for free, but uh, at, at least, you know, you felt the excitement, right? So it's okay, this is... Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to my friends that were coming home, it was like uh, we had our own land center, kind of. So it's... Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that when I was a teenager. Okay. The ability to bring my friend over and, hey, we can play these games for free, right? So let's let's stay here. <laughs> cool. Because otherwise you had to go to a land uh, shop and then pay like 10 francs an hour. And then, yeah, we didn't have pocket money back then. So it was better to play at my place. So when you started with programming then, but it was still not programming exactly. So you installed, you know, the Counter-Strike server, but uh, in one point... So I was still kind of doing HTML pages. So in fact, the fact that I had like a... Counter-Strike team, we were thriving to get a website to kind of get like a a, a front page out there just to to show, you know, uh, what we are doing and maybe mm -hmm. like the awards we're getting and stuff. So I was always more or less like tinkering with HTML and JavaScript. I remember back then, so the, the Counter-Strike menu was really famous because it had some kind of animation. Mm -hmm. And I, I remade exactly the same menu with Flash. Mm -hmm. And I remember the, the, the font, the police for... Uh, the Counter-Strike menu was freely available. Mm -hmm. So I was basically replicating the exact same menu in Flash and I made like a first version of that, our website using that. Okay. I lost all this stuff that's unfortunate. It's probably sitting in some, I don't know, some attic in my parents' house in some old hard drive. I would love to find that, this kind of stuff someday, but uh, I, I don't have that to show that's too bad. 
yeah, um, this is always you no know, fun to to see old stuff what actually happened, you know. Yeah, and so that's all I was doing. I was doing a little bit of JavaScript, but yet I was not really understanding what I was doing. And uh, in high school, I did like a scientific um, diploma without so, without oh, scissors and and glue, right? This time, yes. So <laughs> math, physics, and wow. um, okay. there was like different kind of scientific uh, diplomas, and one of them was uh, more oriented toward like engineering. Mm -hmm. So we had what they called uh, electrical uh, engineering, and then the other one I forgot what uh, mechanic engineering. Okay. And basically, what I, what I learned back then was like uh, Boolean algebra and uh, a couple of Oh, uh, automations based on PLCs. I'm not sure if you know what that is. Uh, graph sets. It's mm. basically like uh, some kind of visual language that you use to program to program uh, automates. Yeah, like I, automatic machines, like uh, factory stuff. Yeah, this is what what I I think I I had to do something with it with the PLC. But um, yeah, because like and so the language uh, we're using was called graph sets. It was like oh, a, graph a graphical okay. language. Okay, this yeah. is, graph sets no, but PLC uh, rings the bell because I was also interested in automation and, and robots at one point of time. So, um, yeah, one question is yeah, about uh, the um, your relation to computers. So all the all the years, you you like the machines or were computers just a way to play the games? So you know what I mean. So uh, you were fascinated by yeah, the machines. Yeah. So machine. during my teenage years, I was not really so I. I didn't have that much money to get an, uh, a good computer, you know, because computers were evolving really fast, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, for a teenager, it's not the same as somebody that works because when you work, you can just spend your own money. When you're a teenager, you have to rely on your parents to pay this stuff. Yeah. So I remember I made a deal with my dad that if I would get my, um, my high school degree, he would buy me a computer. Mm -hmm. And because my grades were not so good back then because I was playing too much the game, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the deal was, okay, if you get your degree, then I will get you a computer. And so what, what I got was a, uh, a Bourbonne. It's okay. basically, it was a smaller, uh, a smaller box. Okay. And it, it, it basically came with a backpack. So the idea was that I could travel to these tournaments because I didn't have a, a driving license. I could travel to these tournaments using the, uh, the computer that could fit in a backpack. Okay. And I had a special monitor that was like a seven, uh, 17 inches that, could, uh, that was really um, lighter weight that I could carry uh, you know, uh, with okay. my hands. So I was able to kind of travel uh, for the, the, the land competitions by train using that. And we kind of all had, had like uh, smaller computers because even if you were traveling with a car, let's say someone had a driving license, like having five computers, because you play this game with five people, right? Having yeah. five computers in a car, you can't do that. Yeah. But if you have five smaller computers, then maybe things you know can fit. So okay. that's okay. why we all try to kind of get the, the smaller hardware. So my interest beyond that was, uh, there was not much. I was really just, I need a computer that works great for the game and that's it. You like tool, right? So you wanted to, because you yeah. wanted to, to play, okay. Okay, so and, and right, and I was basically looking at a computer that would give me like hundred FPS the frames per second, okay. without any any loss of FPS. So if you're playing the game and suddenly like a lot of things is happening and then your computer drops to like twenty FPS and you die because of that, then maybe it's going to be like the 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 one round where you lose the tournament because your computer sucked at the time where you needed it not to suck, right? Okay. So I I really needed a computer that was performant so that I could play the game without having like. Uh, Second thoughts about it. And how many uh, FPS are critical? I'm, I mean, uh, how how many, how much FPS, or how many frames you can lose? So uh, 
if you remember back then, the the monitors, they were CRT monitors, yes. right? And a good CRT monitor was the one with the flat screen, and that could give you 100 hertz. Yes. And so what you want as a computer is a computer that, was, that can consistently deliver 100 FPS per second to match the maximum frame rate of the computer, of okay. the monitor, sorry. Yes, but if you have so, a FP, FPS drop at uh, 10 frames are dropping, th this is probably... Uh, uh, even, so two to three to five frame drops per second is okay, but you can feel it in your in your hand with, your, with the mouse, probably like at 20 FPS. Okay. Because as obviously as you are moving the, the 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 mouse to the screen, if the FPS drops, then the speed of the of the mouse is going to drop as well, right? Mm -hmm. Or the animation is not going to be as free. So you you're definitely going to feel it. You might it might not impact you, but you're going to feel it. And the game have, you know special gear like uh, mouses and keyboards. How critical is the hardware? Is it really makes doesn't the make keyboard is not important? And especially back then, I think the the early hardware we got, like if you think of the old Microsoft keyboard, yeah, that keyboard was really good it was really strong and it was mechanical okay so and it was freely available in any supermarket that was selling like computer stuff right okay. so the computer the the keyboard wasn't so important the mouse however was what was important was that you needed a mouse with a good sensor mm -hmm. and because if you back then if you were moving the mouse uh, too fast it would basically lose track of where you were at and then your mouse would start blinking and go all over the place right okay so you you needed a mouse that was basically able to like capture all the the details of uh, of your trackpad without losing control of it okay even if you're going at high speed because if you want to have let's, let's say you want to do a reflex shot or whatever because this guy is over there and you want to make like a, a wrist movement super fast right you want that to work if that doesn't work then you are not happy about it so yeah. um there were basically um again there was a, a couple of microsoft mouse that would work really well. The Logitech mouses would work really well. So back then, there was the gaming hardware was not really available, but there were certain things you know you if you were buying them, they were working really well. Okay. So Logitech and Microsoft were basically known for that. Well, nowadays uh, uh, every mouse should work, right? Uh, so yeah, nowadays good sensors are freely available, but yeah. uh, I would say the problem these days is um, it depends what kind of game you're playing. So now it's all about the DPIs, right? Mm -hmm. If if you play like a game which is like a, a real-time strategy game where you need to make like small movements and be really precise with it, mm -hmm. you probably want something that has a high number of uh, DPI in it, okay. like 1,200, 2,000 DPI, right? Okay. If you play a first-person shooter, what you want is you want a lower sensitivity and you want to kind of do bigger movements with your arm. Okay. Because you want to be able to have a repeatable movement so that you can... Uh, oh, learn muscle memory, right? Okay. So you, you, you kind of demultiply the sensitivity so that, um, let's say, when you do like a 180 degree turn in the game, it's like one width of your trackpad, right? Of your, of your mouse pad. Yeah. So uh, for that, you want a lower DPI. So it seems like you're the, still still expert of gaming right now. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like uh, when you learn how to ride a bike, then you yeah, you don't forget that. So yeah, thing. sure. Well, <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I, I'm still, so it's kind of funny. People were always kind of looking at me at work, like even at Oracle. Uh, I always have like a gaming kind of setup, even when I work. So I have like a large mouse pad. I have like a, a nice mouse. And um, I also have something that's it's like a cable holder that's kind of putting my cable up mm -hmm. so that it doesn't like drag behind the, the table. Yeah. If you are programming, you have also very fast. And if you spot a bug, you have to move fast, kill the bug. And, <laughs> and, and, <you> know? <laughs> yeah, even though I, I think I'm more of a Unix guy, I try to keep my hands on the keyboard. So, I, I, yeah, I'm not using the mouse as much. Yeah. This is, um, the mouse is more like sculpture, you know, so you just keep it, you know, to uh, 
to to do for for some light you could use it as a as a as a torch a mouse right <laughs> <laughs> okay nice so now um you 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 became expert in graph sets and plc and then you uh, this is what make you curious about computers um yeah so uh in the, uh, in the last year of high school there is this this kind of special project that gives you free points for the for the diploma for the exam and uh you have to work on that project for like maybe six to eight months mm -hmm. maybe like six hours a week or something and so the project that we chose was um we chose to like buy a a cat door it's something that you you know you you install in your door so it's like you have to make a hole and you plug this special uh, kind of it's like a trap door right yeah. and the uh, the principle of that trap door is that it was working with magnets okay so that you put some kind of magnet on the um, around the neck of your cat obviously it's not something that would choke the cat right just a little magnet yeah. and then uh it basically unlocks the door when the cat uh, comes in okay and what we were thinking was more like we need to automate that so that no other cat can come ah, in okay. so that the uh so what we did was uh we any obviously it was some kind of like pseudo project because we were in high school so we used solidworks because back then we also had lessons on how to kind of create 3d models with solidworks mm -hmm. i'm not sure if you know that software it's like a, a cad software yeah uh, I, I heard about it oh. because you, you said uh, SolidWorks and the, the company, I think, was solid and they did something else as well. They have to research because uh, I, um, the, did they also created uh, workstations? I, I don't know. I'm not I, sure. I have to, have, to, have to look it up because SolidWorks, I, I heard about uh, was Cinema 4D and all the stuff. This is uh, more familiar for me, but SolidWorks, I, I heard it, but I uh, never used that. Right. So we were able to kind of make a or uh, I'll say work on how we were going to cut the the trap door that we bought to modify it right and we were we're kind of projecting all the um, the changes we were going to make on that so I I kind of made all the solidworks models and work all the cuts we we're going to make uh and then we used a um and that idea was funky because obviously we didn't have any um kind of we needed some kind of uh motor yeah. to kind of move the door yeah or remove some kind of lever that would block the door. And one teacher had this idea, which was like, oh, you should just like get a broken hard drive mm -hmm. and get the, the, <laughs> the thing in it, you know, that moves the, whatever yeah. the, 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 the head, uh, yeah. Yeah, the heads, exactly. So that was a horrible idea, but nevertheless, that's what we did. And uh, obviously, the last piece on this project was that we needed some kind of... How many cats uh, died? <laughs> <laughs> we never tested it with a real okay. cat. <laughs> so we had to have some kind of electronics mm -hmm. and programming to kind of control the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so there was a little bit of kind of C programming uh, going with it where we had to kind of... Uh, create a small board where we were uh, connecting basically the, the the motor and a little bit of program like we had two buttons and the motor basically something like this mm -hmm. and so i remember doing programming in c to kind of uh use masking so bit masking to kind of operate on the ports for the for the board and basically like trigger the the, the motor but how it is possible so your experience was html and, and flash and now you are forced... Well, the teachers were basically guiding us and and helping okay. us along the way so but it's uh, a crazy jump right from from flash and html to c programming and controlling and hard disk basically yeah well the thing is uh during these classes we were already learning all the um, okay 
the the binary kind of algebra. So we knew what bit masking was and okay. all these things, right? Okay. We just never really programmed with C or, or experienced like how you flash a card that can run like a, a microcontroller and do all these things, right? So, but the, the C part, basically the teacher kind of gave me a, a big skeleton and I just had to do the, the masking part myself and figure out, you know, okay. how do I... Uh, do the masking and the addressing so that I know which port it is and how which value it should have and so on, right? There was a couple of LED that I had to light on also, so he, that that was part of it. That's basically what kind of uh, got me into... That was my first experience with C programming, I think, yeah. And you enjoyed the experience? Yeah, yeah, okay. kind of. I didn't really know what I was doing, obviously, but um, that well, was Amazing. Nice. So you are 18 back then, 19, something like this? Yeah. Okay. What happened yeah. afterwards? And, well, afterwards, uh, you got to get out of high school and get into uh, college, right? And and okay, so, but you decided to study computer science. Yeah, obviously that was the, the, yeah, the obvious choice not, for me, no, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. So the project you were forced to use C to program the hard disk. This was actually what this uh, what made the decision, you know, to go to the to the college, or you knew it before? Oh no, no, no! Because since I was already into like uh, tinkering, like uh, with computers at home and HTML and Flash and all these things. I was enjoying using computers, right? Okay. So for me, when I when I thought about what I want to do, it's like this was really obvious. Okay. Um, my grades were not as good though, so I I knew that I had to pick carefully which uh, which place I wanted to go to so that I could get accepted. Okay. I applied to the wrong colleges the first year, okay. and I didn't get what I wanted. So I ended up in a place which was doing both um, electrical engineering and a little bit of computer science. Oh, this is hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I really didn't like the electronic uh, classes mm -hmm. and all this stuff. This wasn't for me. So, but they had a lot of uh, teaching for Boolean algebra, mm -hmm. and obviously it's college. So now when you're learning this stuff, like they they go really really hard, and I remember I was really good at this. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up dropping out from that uh, college after like six months, mm -hmm. and I made a deal with my parents where it's like, okay, you can basically have a free year, but you gotta make sure that next year you are you know into a proper college and then you stay over there. Mm -hmm. So that's what we did. And obviously, I, and it's like back then I was really good also at Counter-Strike. So I had to basically kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And I used that year to kind of do a lot of tournaments with our team, which is probably also one of the reasons I dropped out. But let's <laughs> oh, not say oh, okay. that. Okay, <laughs> this was like a strategic, strategic decision. And uh, yeah, you want something so, reasonable with Counter-Strike or? Yeah, yeah, we, got pro we, we won probably like six or seven tournaments that year. Uh, we didn't end up going to the national tournaments because oh. uh, there was a rule and then somehow we got like remove points. That, that was kind of shady, but uh, we were supposed to go, but at the end we didn't go because we broke the rules somehow. Okay. Like that was not very clear. Okay. We were really disappointed about that because that's what we were, we were, we were going probably to Probably you, you used a mouse with too much DPI or something like that. Really. No, it's because one of our players played with another team and then uh, oh. he basically transferred to our team and there was a rule that you have to respect like some kind of quiet period between the transfers, which okay. he did, but he did not officialize the transfer on time. So if you looked at the dates, you know, uh, okay. between the transfer, that was not enough time. But if you looked at the dates between the last time he played for the previous team and the next team, like there was a lot of, you know, the, the, okay. the rule were, was respected. And I think we were fine, except that at the end, a lot of people kind of cheated the rules and they, they had to do a cleanup. And we ended up being part of that cleanup, so that was unfortunate for us. Oh, okay. So then you started at the proper college with uh, more software and less technical engineering, I guess. 
And yeah, uh, and the nice part about that is the first college was uh, in my hometown, and the second college that I went to the second year was uh, in a different town. Okay. So I had to move out of the parents' house, which was also very nice. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so I spent two years in a different city and um, in a like computer science uh only uh degree and you enjoyed the experience then you oh yeah very much very much yeah and you still played a lot or you just focus on programming oh you're talking about the game i'm sorry (laughs) so i let's say i i was playing no i think it's probably around that time that i stopped really playing uh i still play like for fun but i'm not looking at playing competitively competitively anymore sure but uh, uh, back then uh what you did at the university which programming language you learned back then and which project you had no noticeable projects uh they made a start with a it was c plus plus but what they did is since the syntax of c plus plus is rather hardcore they made some kind of library that uh, would provide some abstraction suitable for learning Mm-hmm. So that you didn't have like all these fancy English keywords. I I would say, if I, looking back on this today, I don't think it was right because programming is all written in English. So trying to fit a French style programming language based off of C plus plus doesn't make much sense to me because no. that's what they were doing. You know, all these kids don't speak English very well. So let's let's teach them the principle of programming using this kind of C plus plus library that provides like a DSL in French, yeah. right? Yeah. And I, anyway, so that's how we learned like the four loops and all these concepts, right? But uh, I At don't university? think it was right. Was it university? Yeah, that was university, yes. But it's strange well, because it's... at high school you did C, you know, hardcore C at the university, you got a modified C++, you know, to 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 use. Right, French. they have to accommodate everybody's background. They don't know that people have experience in ah, okay. so they have to okay. basically start from scratch. Okay. And I also remember the, the classes were really boring in the beginning because they started basically teaching us the first class we got was grammar. Okay. They were explaining us what a grammar is using like the forgot the, the syntax you have for grammar, but they yeah the Bacchus like Nauer form and and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. This is okay, yeah. but this is normal in in, in uh, computer science. You have to do yeah. it. You know the grammar. That was so boring. I remember information nobody was techno- that. Information theory <laughs> and and Comsky and yeah. stuff like yes. that. Right. Exactly. So we learned uh, basically C plus C. So C plus plus using this weird library, and then we switched maybe after couple of months to like real C++. Mm-hmm. So they were gradually telling us to stop using the special library in the projects. And I think eventually you had to not use the library to get your grades. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's see. So we did a lot of, um, we had uh, networking classes back there where we we're using like Wireshark to kind of on nice. special lab machines. We did a lot of Boolean algebra, obviously. Uh, we did a lot of assembler which I really loved. I was so good at Assembler that uh, I was kind of (laughs) helping the whole class with Assembler because I really was able to understand it. Motorola, They were using some kind of... 68,000 Assembler, right? Motorola. No, this was a weird emulator. Okay. And uh, so we were just writing Assembler in this kind of weird emulator. Yeah, I just remember that I enjoyed it really, really a lot. Uh, The exam at the end end was to print Happy Birthday. Basically, you had to write like uh, 150 lines of Assembler to print Happy Birthday. That was funny. Okay. And when you learn Java, uh, so what is your oh, know, the, between the, the C++ and Java? So what was, you know? Interesting. So my first experience with Java was also over there, but I didn't like it because back there, I really got into like Linux and Unix and how beautiful it is to kind of use all these toolings 
to write like C and C++. You have the make files and like everything was just natural, right? Mm -hmm. Also, the, the teacher at our schools, they had Emacs set up mm -hmm. rather nicely. So the Emacs setup you, to write C and C++ was really great. I mean, that was great. In fact, I never was able to reproduce the same Emacs environment in my own computer because mm -hmm. uh, the teachers, what they had, they had a lot of macros and stuff. Like, that was really great. Mm -hmm. But when we were writing Java, you had to create all these directories to create the package structure. And, mm -hmm. like, everything was so weird compared to the C tools that I remember not liking it. Mm -hmm. And, and you it learned was Java at university, right? Yes, yes. Okay. And which Java was uh, it? JDK 1.3, probably. 1.3, 1.4. Something like this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I was over there in 2006. So whatever version of Java was available at that time. Okay. So you did some Java project at university. What, what you created with Java, remember? Uh, let's see. Uh, no, I can't remember. I just remember being ashamed that uh, I had a big problem once. I think we were writing like client server apps, that kind of stuff, because the server, the, the, the teacher were trying to teach us like fundamentals, right? So mm -hmm. we were writing like a client server app in C mm -hmm. and then we had to do the same in Java just to see the differences. Mm -hmm. I think we got a little bit of servlet hands-on at some point mm -hmm. also. Anyway, so I remember being ashamed because uh, I had a problem that I was stuck on for like maybe an hour and I had this stack trace mm -hmm. and I, I called the teacher and the teacher looked at my screen and had a text trace and he tells me about the text. The stack trace tells you what your error is mm -hmm. and he makes me read the stack trace and then I realized my problem is I'm reading the stack trace. I was so ashamed. Like I was blocked for an hour and I, to the point where I go grab a teacher from his office back to my computer to, the, you know, to unblock me and then you know, I just had to read the stack trace. So I was really ashamed by that. Okay. <laughs> you still That's remember like that? This remember. was like, you know, uh, this was like a key experience at the university. Yeah, exactly, like. exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. And so, um, let's see. So I, I didn't do um, a full school where you spend five years at the same place. Okay. It was not like a, an engineering school where that delivers a diploma at the end of five years. What I did was uh, a two years diploma that was inside a school that was attached to the university, right? Okay. And then using that, you could go and uh, apply for a bachelor. Uh, you could go back into the regular mainstream university into a bachelor, right? The very good point, good things about that school is that it's uh, condensed and it's really hard. So it's like um, you have a lot of classes and the teachers are really verifying that you're, you're, you're understanding, understanding the knowledge a lot. So you are under control. Mm -hmm. At the university in France, you basically, it's like a free mode. Mm -hmm. The teachers don't really care if you come or if you're following the classes. Okay. And then you don't get grades every day. You just get grades like every six months, every semester, right? Okay. I would say most of the knowledge I have today and the fundamentals are from that school. Okay. So, uh, which is which is really great. Anyway, so after that, I was able to get back into a bachelor degree into a different city and, and then a master at university. So I did like three more years into a different university to kind of get a master's degree. Okay. And um, was and your so master, back then, master work about Java, with Java? Yeah, obviously we worked a lot with Java. But the problem is when you go to university like this, again, they have to kind of accommodate people from different backgrounds. Yeah. Obviously, I was coming from a very specialized background, so I had a lot of the fundamentals. But the people that started over there from year one at the university, they didn't do any programming, for instance. Yes. So mm -hmm. I spent basically my third year not doing much because all these people were uh, very late compared to us. They didn't have any Boolean algebra knowledge okay. or even any hands-on with Linux or Java. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, the teachers were basically kind of telling all the people that were coming from these schools like mine to kind of go and do something else while they were trying to uh, play a special counter strike. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. We had, we had special exercises, but okay. uh, they were they were. Um, one thing that I remember really well is um, this first experience at school with uh, C-System uh, hands-on. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember that the, th that was insane to me. So we come to the class and the teacher is sitting behind his desk. He hands you a piece of paper and mm -hmm. then doesn't say anything. So you okay. go behind the computer and then you look at the paper. And I remember reading all the exercises and they were really concise, like maybe two lines. And they're like, using standard C routine, write a program that lists the files in a directory. And I'm like, huh, that's nice. That's interesting. I think I know I can, I can do that. And, you know, trying to scramble in my head, like all my previous knowledge about what I was, what I was doing in, in the previous school. And then I was, and then I raised my hand. I'm like, I don't think anyone else in this class knows what these two lines mean. Mm -hmm. And then I remember turning around and everybody had their eyes wide open, like what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and the teacher did not care. He not, like, unless you were asking him a question, he would not care. So that's what really kind of bothered me about this, this style of teaching, which is like, well, <laughs> you figure it out on your own. Yeah, it's not teaching. So it's the, like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 So it really paper. Sound, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That this guy was a researcher and was not much of a teacher. But okay. anyway, I, I, I rather enjoy this kind of hardcore system classes. I, I really like this stuff. What you did reasonable with Java at university or after university? One point of time you became Java developer, right? Yes. So let's see. So we had a we had a project where we had to do web services. Okay. I remember we using uh, SOAP clients, mm -hmm. and I used uh, I think it's called Access to yeah it from is. Apache yes. And so what's really funny is that, like back then we had the first experience with Maven. I think it was Maven one. Oh. And I hated it. I yes. mean, that was really really bad. And so I was still kind of writing Java with Emacs and building my code with Makefiles because mm -hmm. I was rather thinking like Java sucks and C is better. So I was using the tools I knew. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember spending so much time trying to get a jar file that only contained basically a fat jar mm -hmm. that only contains the contained the classes that I needed. And the reason for that is that we had to upload the final code of the of the of the project onto some kind of page and they had a max payload size of 100 megs okay and if obviously you were using eclipse or something like this and you were shipping all the dependencies from axis and everything in your project you were way beyond 100 megs yes Mm -hmm. And so I remember spending maybe like two days scripting the hell out of my project, trying to remove every classes that was not referenced, okay. like doing it the hard way, just to like, God, I need to ship my project. I can't ship it because I cannot upload it. So let's just trim everything that, you know, is not needed. So obviously what I was doing is a, is a loop where I just try to run the project class, not found. Okay. Add that class, right? Like really the wrong way of doing this. Yeah. And we ended up shipping the project in like 20 megs and I was really proud of it. And we shipped like a make file and everything worked great. And I remember with the, the teammate I had like to, to my Binoma to do that project. We we're really proud of this. Yeah, this is and then nowadays I, you will sell it as tree shaking. You know, this is what, what, what. Exa yeah. Yeah. This is the, the, the greatest stuff ever. Exactly. Um, 
And then I remember talking about the, the project afterwards with some of my uh, classmates. And one guy said, well, I just shipped my entire Eclipse workspace to the teacher. I was like, how did you do that? Like, you could not upload this, right? He said, oh, I just sent him an email and he sent, he told me to like put the file over there. And I was, I was so <laughs> disappointed. And then what we didn't know is like the teacher was using Windows. Mm -hmm. So he said, that he wasn't able to build our project with our marvelous make file and he had to basically make an Eclipse project for it. Okay. So we got we got it all wrong and I was really pissed that you know that I spent all this time basically for nothing. And we did not even get extra points for fitting the the, the max payload size of the of the upload page. Yeah. So you were uh, not very lucky with Java at the university, it seems like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so what really got me into Java, it's actually very funny. Uh, it's so at the at school in, in in France you have to whenever you have a diploma they want you to do an internship mm -hmm. with a company to validate your 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 degree right mm -hmm. so I had done an internship at the end of the first two years I had done an internship at the end of the the third year of bachelor but most of these things were not Java and for the 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 master's degree I was looking for something big because what you know is that since you are graduating that you're probably going to establish a relationship between you and the company and they can offer you a job, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really important to like uh, find a good project. So I ended up being really lucky and I found a project with a company called Surly. Mm -hmm. And I remember the project was uh, implement JustPick in the Jonas application server or something. I had mm -hmm. to implement, like the, the project they put out there was implement a security spec from Java E on the Jonas application server. Mm -hmm. And so I, I interviewed with Shirley and I got in, except that uh, they, they had multiple students basically uh, uh, coming in and they shuffled the projects around and then at the end I didn't get that project. So I was a little bit because the project I applied for and I chose this company for wasn't the project that I ended up getting. Mm -hmm. So I was slightly you know, in the, the first few days. But that was for the better because I ended up working on Glassfish on the different project that was application versioning. Mm -hmm. So Surly was willing to kind of make a name for themselves and gain, gain kind of like publicity by using these cheap interns work on great projects and at the same time kind of like make them grind their teeth on good code, right? And then gain experience from that. So that was like a win-win for everybody. Yeah. And so I ended up working with the people at Surly under like supervision from like Surly engineers on the, on the versioning uh, feature in Glassfish. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was a huge leap because I was not such a Java developer and I hated Java because it was always hard to kind of set up the ID and get your dependencies right and all these things. But because of Surly, I got basically exposed to Maven 2, NetBeans, and uh, Subversion back then. So I had to learn all these technologies in, in basically like in two weeks. And I, I suddenly, you know, saw the good side of Java. It's like, wow, this is really nice. And now I understand, you know, how powerful this stuff can be. So I ended up basically being a, <laughs> a Maven fanboy and a NetBeans fanboy because of that, because that basically what kind of brought me back to Java. And what you did at Surly was like, um, how to call it, rolling updates basically with Glassfish, right? Yes, yes. So what we did was a spec for the deployment uh, subsystem where uh, you would encode versioning into a name that had a special semantics. So then you would separate the version with a colon and then you could use like on special commands like enable or disable, you could use like wildcards. 
And then if you combine all these smaller features of the versioning kind of system, you could do rolling upgrades. Mm -hmm. You could basically kind of configure your load balancer and say, disable the current active version and then enable the next version, right? And then we had stuff around that the, the enabled version would not would not basically, uh, we would not break, we would not do a hard deployment so that basically we, you would do like quieting where your load balancer was helping you transition between the versions. Like old users were still using old application and new users were directed toward the new application, right? So if you combine all these features together, you get something like rolling a grade. Why Surly did it? You know that? Uh, that's a good question. I think because uh, the people at Surly were in touch with... Uh, a French guy that was working on Glassfish back then, Alexis Moussin Pushkin. Exactly. He was the evangelist of Glassfish. Mm -hmm. And I think he, were, he had good relationship with the people at Surly. Okay. And so through that relationship, they were looking at uh, making contributions to Glassfish with interns. Yeah. And what I remember from Surly and Glassfish, exactly this feature, because it was announced at Java 1. So the rolling updates with uh, Glassfish contributed by Surly, so they made it open source or somehow contributed back to Glassfish. And Alexis uh, was the Glassfish evangelist. I think even this was Sun Microsystems still. And uh, and it was announced at Java 1. It was right at the transition. So yeah. I remember when it was in December 2009, the first email exchanges we had with, uh, with the Sun engineers. Mm -hmm. And then around February 2010, their email changed from sun.com to oracle.com. Okay. And you started so, Surly? Right so, so you became a Surly employee? No, no. So uh, what I did was I, I basically was kind of willing to... So somebody in Surly planted a bug in me and said, Romain, uh, you, you're young. You should use this opportunity to kind of travel abroad and work in a foreign company and kind of learn English, uh, so that, you know, you can come back to France someday and have a great, uh, experience from that. Cause he said he was doing, he did the same when he, he went to Australia for a couple of years and he said that was really a, a good experience for him. So he told me, I think you should go abroad and do something like this. So I, it planted the bug in me. And after a while, I was like, okay, I'm convinced I need to go abroad and work, you know, for a couple of years and then maybe come back. Mm -hmm. So I asked uh, the people at Surly to put me in touch with Alexi so that I could basically try to get a job at Oracle. Okay. And, it worked and so I never, I never really worked at Surly. Okay. So, and then, so you work immediately for Oracle for Glassfish? Well, then I basically interviewed for uh, uh, Glassfish at Oracle. A couple of projects, actually. I did interview for Jersey and other projects. And it was really hard. But uh, anyway, I, I got at Oracle. And then it took me almost about a year to get started with a job over there. I don't know why it takes so long to start a job at Oracle. Okay. But uh, from the time I started interviewing and the time I actually uh, had my first day, it was almost a year. Okay. And what you did uh, in the year? Played Counter-Strike? Not really, because um, <laughs> if you think about it, like uh, my parents had their son graduate for a master's degree. Yeah. He did not get a job he was offered to and instead tried to pursue like a, a, oh. a pseudo... Uh, opportunity with an American company, right? And then for like six or seven months, people are not answering. Yeah. And so my parents are like, uh, what are you going to do with your life? Like, you need to do something. Yeah. So I was actually doing job interviews on the side as a backup in case, you know, this okay. stuff was going nowhere. Okay. And I was being really stressed because then you have to explain when you're doing interviews why you're not working. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you have a gap of a year and people are asking, say, so what did you do for that time? It's also hard to explain people that you're doing a job interview as a backup. Yeah. It's people don't really like being treated as a, as a second, uh, <laughs> as yeah. a second choice. Right. So that yeah. was not a great experience. 
But then Oracle uh, said also yes. that convinced me that I didn't want to work in France. Like all the style of interviews that I had in France, I didn't like it. Okay. Uh, this uh, integrator slash services company, uh, I really don't like the way they operate. And mm -hmm. um, instead, the laid back version of this kind of American companies is was much better for me because you, it's yeah they're not really looking at making you like. Uh, solve logical tests and grade you on like how you solve a specific puzzle that has nothing to do with programming, right? Instead, they ask you like hands-on experience and maybe they say like, okay, like solve this binary tree or render this or that and they give you like specific coding exercises rather than pseudo puzzle games, which okay. was weird. But you got accepted so, an Oracle, right? Back then? So yeah, I'll... yeah. And so what I, my first choice was I asked to go to the US and the problem is, so I was in touch with somebody from the JDK for a potential job in the JDK group. Mm -hmm. The problem is like that manager didn't hire anybody since they were um, acquired by Oracle. So he didn't know the policies to kind of bring a fresh grad over as a first job. Okay. And, and after a while, basically he told me like, it's not possible because Oracle doesn't have such policies. Mm -hmm. He said at Sun, they were, they were able to do it, but at Oracle, like the policies are that you cannot bring a fresh grad over. Uh, like that. Mm -hmm. So I was told that I had to go to Prague first okay, and that I could get a job in Prague. So I, I ended up going to Prague and working there. Okay. So I, I got my, uh, I got a second set of interviews for the Glassfish group where they had positions available in Prague. Okay. And you worked and then so, yeah. for, 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 for Glassfish subsystem or for, for which subsystem you worked? I worked, so that was weird because there was nobody uh, in Prague that really worked on the Glassfish team. They worked <laughs> on Metro Metro and yeah. Jersey and yeah. all these sub-projects, but nobody worked on, that was like uh, also the people working on Grizzly were there, mm -hmm. but nobody, or Jaxby, but nobody worked on the app server itself. Mm -hmm. So I ended up basically being the only Glassfish team member in Prague, even though we were all Glassfish, right? Because it yeah. was the same kind of bigger yeah. project, but, uh, but that worked out great because all these people were, were great engineers. I, I learned a lot from them. And I also ended up being kind of like the point of contact for Glassfish to them. Yeah. And and what you did, so, in, in, what was your, what, what you had to implement with Glassfish back then? Do you remember? Uh, so in Glassfish, I was more doing of the build. So I was okay. responsible for, I was not really responsible for anything directly. I was more like solving every, every day's problem related to like the build, the OSGI uh, madness um hk2 h2k stuff right the hk2 yeah i obviously because hk2 was integrated with osgi i had to also work a little bit with that um i did a lot of work around the installer and the packager which they were kind of weird projects anyway um and then uh, i ended up specializing in maven because glassfish was such a big project and people were so kind of obscure to maven or maven was obscure to them Nobody really had control on the Glassfish build itself. Mm -hmm. And I remember like they had problems running with Maven 3. They could not transition over from Maven 2 to Maven 3. Mm -hmm. And like the first week I worked there, I solved the problem when I was basically fixing a plugin that didn't have the right annotations or whatever. And I made it work with Maven 3. And people were like, oh, great, somebody understands this stuff. And that's kind of how I basically got <laughs> my specialization in the team where I'm the one that can solve the Maven problems. So, so you, you became the chief hacker again, right? without without the knowledge of marquee tech still this is remarkable right? yeah 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 uh, no marquee <laughs> grew <laughs> so uh let's see i did that i ended up uh ended up working a lot in terms of enabling the the people the spec leads that were responsible for publishing their 
uh, Maven artifacts for the API jars. Because mm -hmm. back then, in my opinion, it was really a mess the way um, the Glassfish projects were publishing their API jars. Mm -hmm. The pubs were messed up and a lot of things were wrong. And Bill Shannon was, he wanted all of this stuff to kind of be aligned and be like, kind of consistent across all APIs, not have like different conventions from one API to the other. And so uh, it all started because the Java E6 API jar, if you remember, there is this, uh, I mean, obviously you know that, there is this uh, um, one API jar that you can use to compile against all the set of APIs from Java E. It's yeah. the API, the jar that goes like Java X colon Java X dash Java E API, something like this, right? Mm -hmm. And the ones from the version six, had a problem in it because this tripped the 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 code from the the classes in it. This was not a problem; it was a feature. What Bill did, he removed the uh, the. Yeah, it wasn't Bill; it was the other spec lead. I forgot his name. Um, okay. Oh. The guy the... that went to Google afterwards. Afterwards. Um, this is what I didn't knew. I think it was Bill because there are lots of conversation with Bill, and Bill said, "Yeah, it's actually correct. You shouldn't use that." You know, it's like, "Yeah, but right. if we you write unit tests and we mock out the stuff, it just breaks our compilation yeah. process." Uh, basically, yeah. if you have this stuff in your runtime class pass error, then it just blows up, and that's yeah. wrong, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, nevertheless, like the I remember that actually the way they did that stripping was really smart. They were using an annotation processor and they were just running it a Java C with an annotation processor and they were stripping all the bytecode. I remember looking at this and I was like, wow, that's really a smart use of that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so what I did as kind of like my first kind of uh, acknowledgement work on Glassfish was make this stuff right. So I, I ended up kind of redoing all the API jar projects from Java E and kind of telling people how they should build their stuff. And Bill had these kind of special conventions for the metadata in the API jars. Like the, the group ID naming should be a certain way. So he wrote some conventions and these conventions were like uh, meta, the manifest uh, metadata had to have special things in it and they should follow a certain convention. Mm -hmm. The group ID should follow a convention that was mapping, matching the package name and so on, right? The OSGI bundle name and all these things were supposed to like follow a certain set of conventions. So he wrote this big document back then. And the problem is people tried to follow that document, but not basically nobody was able to like follow it consistently because it was, it was hard basically to not make any mistakes. So what I did is I wrote a couple of plugins to kind of automate this stuff. And I, 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 I made all the APIs basically implement builds convention, uh, like consistently. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was able to kind of make this API jar, which you saw from version seven. Uh, with all the Java docs. And so that's the first kind of recognizable thing that I did with the Glassfish project is I kind of redid all the Maven, Mavenization of the Java e APIs, the individual specs and uh, the compiled, the aggregated uh, API jar. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the work that I did by then, you could still see it now in the new Jakarta uh, API project. We Listen. donated that and Bill worked on that, but it's based off of the work that I did by then, back then. We are a little bit over time. So what I would like oh. to do is to split this apart and then go deeply, you know, re repeating from there, from starting with Jakarta E6 and then to, you know, the some CLI magic you're doing right now. So just, just as cliffhanger. So um, until then, where people can find you on the internet or do you have some, you know, some links or, or, or handles or whatever, how, how people can find you? So... Uh, so I have a Twitter handle, mm -hmm. uh, even though I don't use it much, okay. uh, it's rgrecourt, uh, R, uh, G R E C O U R T, I think. Mm -hmm. 
but I don't use it much. I would recommend people just uh, find me on, on GitHub. And uh, I don't even know if you can do a private message on GitHub. Uh, can you? I don't think I so. never tried that. Uh, let's see. I think the best, if they want to find me, is to actually go on the Helidon Slack channel. Helidon Slack channel, okay. Yeah, and then uh, they would find me with my handle, uh, argrecore. Argrecore, perfect. Yeah. So thank you. It was lots of fun. And uh, I would like to reinvite you back and, and, and you know, uh, speak a little bit more about Helidon. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, thank you, bye.